You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. For them, so we're really excited about that. We're also excited about being able to do different things with media and uh, maintaining some of the the things around our our buildings. And by God's grace, we're able to to do that together as well as as missions. And then we talked about uh, staff and adding some staff members last week. And so um, this week, we're going to go into the fourth purpose. And I want to start out by asking a question. What's, What's the greatest gift that we could have at Christmas time? What's the greatest gift that we could have at Christmas time? Just think about that for a little bit. And, uh, you know, what is it? Say a reply real quick. I'm hearing all of them. Oh, good. Love that one. Amen. I think one of the greatest gifts that we could have at Christmas time is to be able to be debt-free. Right? We talk about generosity. Have you ever wanted to reach out to someone and uh, maybe do something for a family and you can't because you don't have the money to do it? Anyone ever, you know, been there? Um, your heart says yes. Let's reach out. Let's, let's bless them. And your wallet says, no way, buddy. It ain't happening. Um, had you noticed that people who are generous are generous because they're able to be generous? And so we begin to think, how can I walk in this generosity that God wants me to walk in unless I get to the place where I am able to walk in generosity? Amen? Because I think at the heart of hearts, everybody wants to be generous. If you're a child of God, you desire to be generous because God is generous. The Bible says God so loved every person in here. He loved the world that he gave his only son so that we wouldn't perish, but that we'd have everlasting life. And so in that mentality, we, we begin to see that God is a generous God. God loves to give. He gives his very best. So today I want to talk about our fourth purpose, and it's investor generosity in outreach and debt relief, because I think they go hand in hand. You can't reach out without being able to reach out with something. And so debt relief is so important. In fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says, let no debt remain outstanding except continuing except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law you notice the contrast of financial debt and the call of god for us to love people there's a contrast right there he says don't be in debt but instead be in debt to loving people you should owe them your love because i gave you my love and so there, the Bible is very clear about that. And, and, and what I want to say to everyone in here is that 
All of us have probably been hit in an area where finances, uh, uh, where we have trouble with them or, or, or we've gone through a difficult time and, and I think it's going to speak to every heart in here. Especially at Christmas time. Because there's so much pressure to spend and to spend and to spend even if you don't have, you don't have, you don't have. And so the rest of the year, people are stressed out because they spent too much and we really miss the real purpose of Christmas. Amen? Here's the thing. Jesus talked about money more than anybody in the Bible. I think he knew how people would struggle with the love of money or the love of stuff versus our love for God. And I think all of us can, can, can say that we've been tempted in this way, that, that there's things in our life, there's, there's, there's things that we desire, and sometimes those things that we desire can take us away from the purposes of God. But we want to look at that today. In fact, Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you'll love the other. You will be devoted to one, and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, notice what he says. Here's a contrast right here. The contrast for most people is that you're either going to want to serve God, or there's going to be money or materialism that will come into your life, and you'll want to serve money. The Bible says... The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It's loving money because when you love money, you begin to love God less. Are you with me? When you love money, when you love stuff, you begin to put God in a lower place than stuff or money. And it begins to take us out of our created a, a, a likeness of, of, of being made in the image of God where we're supposed to put God at the centerpiece of our lives. Many of us in here may know what it's like to go through a financial failure or a financial difficulty in your life. In fact, there may be someone in here that you're in it. You're in that place, and what I want to say is that there's hope in Jesus. I mean, there's, there's some bombs in our life, and sometimes those bombs are financial failures, financial debt. But the Bible says that, that Jesus came and he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And then it says, this is the message God gave to the world, and he gave it at just the right time. I want you to know that God comes into your life at just the right time and he comes into our finances if we let him at just the right time. So today for Robert, this is a huge day in his life because he was baptized not into a church, not into Living Word Chapel. He was baptized into Christ. He was baptized into Jesus' death. He was buried with Jesus in baptism. And then he was raised, when he came out of the water, to new life. 
But he wasn't raised to new life so that the world can, can consume him and grab a hold of him. He was raised to new life so that Jesus would become the centerpiece of his life. And it's the same for every one of us in here. God has brought us into the place of newness so that we can walk in the newness of Christ. Amen? In the attributes of Christ so that we're not stressed out with the things of this world, but that we walk in the peace that can only come through Jesus. So as we look at the fourth purpose, we can see how important it is for us to strive to be debt-free as a church. And that's really what it's about. And we're going we're gonna to look at that. Gonna, we're going to look at numbers, and, and we're going to look at things like that as we go through this, this uh, message so that we have some hard facts. There's two reasons, if you look at your outline, there's two reasons to invest into becoming debt-free. Just what, just what you wanted to hear the week of Christmas, right? Tell your neighbor, this is exactly what I needed this Christmas. Two reasons to invest into becoming debt-free. The reason number one, the greatest enemy of our generosity is debt. The Lord just, I believe he gave me that. I was getting ready. The greatest enemy of our generosity is debt. The Bible says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is a servant to the lender. And there are, there are negative effects to debt. There are negative things that come out when, when, when we are in debt. For example, I listed some of them. Number one, the first one is inability to be generous. There is an inability to be generous. Debt will actually lock our hands and our ability to be generous to people. You ever had someone call you up? Maybe it's someone that's never called you before. Because there are some people that call you all the time and say, hey, you know, can, I, can I just have you know, $5, $20? And they call you and call you. <laughs> Look at your caller ID. I don't know if I should get that call. But there are some people that never call. They never, they're, they're never asking. And that one time that they call, and they say, you know, I really feel bad. I, 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 don't, I don't even know how to do this. I don't, I don't want to ask, but I'm in a hard place right now. Can't pay my utility bill. I will, I, I will give you whatever I can. You know, you, this person never, ever, ever asks and that one day they ask, which may open up a door. Let's even think like this. He's not a Christian. She's not a Christian. They've been hard against the faith. And so that one day that they ask, and you want to be generous, but you can't. Because there's nothing that you can be generous with. So debt, it locks our hands from being generous. And not only is this true for individuals, it can also be true for a church. A church is a place where we should be generous. Amen? One of the most beautiful things about Living Word Chapel that I can say since I came to LWC, and this before I was the lead pastor, when I came here, this church has always been generous. Striving to help people. In fact, 
other churches in the community will tell people, call Living Word Chapel. They'll help you. We can, but they will. And so that's the, that's the grace of God, but there's a reason for that, okay? So negative effect is of debt is that you have an inability to be generous. The second thing that happens when, whenever you're, you've got debt is there's stress in your life. Debt will put weight and pressure on you. You you will be so stressed out. You feel immense pressure. Sometimes you even feel a sense of hopelessness. Families will feel the stress. Individuals can feel stress. Churches, when they have uh, debt, they have financial pressure. And then a third thing that begins to happen, I was just thinking through this, you know, your inability, and then you get stressed. But another thing is your flesh begins to come out, and then you begin to be dishonest about debt. Have you ever done that? Has, okay, for example, my wife might say to me, did you use a debit card? I don't think so, but <laughs> what's that golf charge right there? <laughs> Which one? And you, you, those little white lies begin to surface, right? Dishonesty. And, and when, we begin, when we begin to be dishonest, and there's husband and wife hitting each other, I love it because we're being honest, right? Dishonesty. When this begins to happen, you know what, what, what is the, the, the snowball effect? Is that trust begins to be broken. Not only dishonesty, but number four, irritability. Debt will make you crabby and grouchy. Who in the world is in a good mood when you work hard and your hard-earned cash is going to unending bills? Now, when we're making those bills, it's fun, right? I mean, when you first get all this, da-da-da-da-da-da, charge it, Right? But then when you got to pay, it's not fun. It's irritable. Number five, what, what begins to happen as well, sleeplessness. Sleeplessness. Have you noticed how hard it is to sleep when you can't turn your mind off? When it's thinking about the bills? Any, anyone in here ever heard? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to. But anyone in here just kind of, you're just thinking about all these the Bible says that with God, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. But you don't feel that way when, when, when you're crowded with, with debt and, and when you've got so much pressure on you. And then I started thinking about this sleeplessness also has a snowball effect because it leads to desperate measures it, that cause unhealthy living. When you can't sleep, you make bad choices. And then you do whatever you can to, to, to keep you going during the day. You start drinking a lot of coffee. You start drinking, you know, anyone ever t drank those energy drinks? And, and, and you, I mean, it's just getting you by. I talked to a college student the other day, and he's living on energy drinks because of all the pressure he has, and he's cramming for exams and things. I said, stop. Stop. You need to sleep. You, you're not even going to be able to test right without sleeping. All this stress, financial pressure brings stress. It, it, you, you can't sleep. You, there's sleeplessness. How about number six, frustration? 
When you're a slave to the lender, you're a frustrated person. You get annoyed easily. None of, none of the people in first service are frustrated, but maybe second service. Have you ever noticed that frustrated people are unhappy people? You ever been around someone that's frustrated and you're like, Ijuela, nada, chill, man. Take a chill pill. Another thing that happens with debt is you make irrational choices. Desperate measures leads to desperate choices. Desperate choices can lead us to impulse spending. Anyone ever spent impulsively? So we went, Sean and I went to, um, went to Verizon because my phone was, was out. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. They're going to push something on you. And they said, well, you know what? You can get this phone and we'll throw in a tablet. And so, you know, we're, oh, oh, great. We have a tablet. We left with a tablet. Shauna goes back and she says, we're taking it back. Why are we taking this home? Because you make irrational choices sometimes as, as people are trying to push things on you. I know you guys have never done anything like that. It's just me. Number eight, strife. Strife begins to come into your life. Dead is a fire starter. It ignites fighting. It ignites blaming. It ignites divorce. It ignites church splits. People get upset. I read this. Uh, I was looking for some uh, confirmation of, of how it affects divorce, money and, and, and debt. And there were thousands upon thousands of, of uh, studies on it. And so I went to the Huffington Post, and it said, arguing about money is the top predictor of divorce. According to Sonia Britt, a Kansas State University researcher, she shed light on her research, which found that couples who argued about money early in their relationships, regardless of their income or their debt or net worth, were at greater risk for divorce. Arguments about money are by far the top predictor of divorce. She said it's not children, it's not sex, it's not in-laws or anything else. It's money for both men and women. I know that nobody in here has ever argued about money in your marriage. Let me just say, ask this question. Don't, don't answer it. Just think about it. Anybody in here, have you ever weathered a financial hardship that only God could carry you through? God is able. There's hope with him. The second reason that we, uh, that we invest our generosity into becoming debt-free is the greatest goal to a debt-free life is the ability to share the love of Christ in tangible ways. Tangible means that you, you can see it. You, you're able to, to show it. I love the way that James puts it in, uh, in, in chapter 2, verse, verses 14 through 17. James says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? What good is it? 
He says, can, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. What James is saying is you're not saved by your faith, but your faith will always bring action. Jesus will always bring action. Here's some positive effects of living debt-free. And this applies to a church or to your individual life or your family's life. Number one, you will have the ability to be generous. Not only do you have a desire, but you also have the, the means. I love the way the Bible puts it. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. How many of you have heard the, the slogan that says, I owe, I owe, so off to work, I go. Right? I owe, I owe, so off to work, I go. And, and think about that. When we owe and we owe and we owe, it never allows our God-given generosity to be cultivated in the lives of people that God brings our way because it's consumed in ourselves and the debt that we have acquired. Are you with me? It, it's consumed with me instead of being we. You hear me? But what if we were to change that slogan to, I sow, I sow, so I plant seed every I sow, I sow, so off to work, I go. It changes even your work uh, mentality because when you go to work, you know this, this God-given job, this God-given talent that I have, I'm going to use it so that I can be a blessing to God and to people. I was thinking about this. When we're in debt, it's always usually about us. What, what can I acquire? What can I? And, and we can put family in there too. What can I do for my family? But when we think about sowing into people's lives, it, it takes us way beyond that and puts us into the mentality of God. Are you with me? It's a real blessing when you're able to sow into the lives of people. And then you see it bring life change and transformation. You see the smiles and the joy of God working in lives and he's using you and the wealth that he put into your hands because everything we have is God's. How do I know that? I do funerals all the time and no one takes nothing with them when they die. We come into this world naked and we go out of this world with whatever your family puts on you. Amen? Another positive effect is peace of mind. There's a lot of peace in a debt-free life. And that spiritually and financially, Jesus was born, he, he was born of a virgin for one reason, and that was to pay the penalty of our sin. So Robert, you don't have to walk in guilt anymore. You're in Christ. You've been set free, brother. He took the penalty on the cross, and at the cross he said, it is 
finished. And now in that, it's the same mentality. When we, when we begin to think of our finances, we don't want to be under that pressure. We want, Lord, you direct me in my finances. In everything that I do, you direct me. Let me bring glory to you. And that's where you get peace of mind. Number three, it allows you to put action to your love and compassion. There's a, there's a big difference between saying, I want to help you, and saying, here's my help. Big difference. Jesus said, whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Jesus said, no, if you give in my name as a disciple, whatever you give, you're doing it through me. You're my disciple. Ain't that beautiful? The fourth reason that it's wonderful to be debt-free is there's rest and tranquility. Rest and tranquility is the opposite of stress and inability. Two different paradigms right there. There's rest, there's peace, you're tranquil, or there's stress because you're unable. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I don't think there's very many heavier burdens than a financial burden. You feel that you can't swim your way out of it. Many of us that have been through it, you know exactly how it is. The fifth reason, happiness and joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And what I've noticed about generous people is that they are a lot happier and full of joy. I've noticed people that are not generous is that they are grouchy and full of attitude. Really? I've hung around with both. I've hung around people that are very generous, and I've hung around with people that are not. And the ones that are, that are not generous, that are grouchy and, and full of attitude, they're the ones that are always saying, they just want my money. Instead of saying, well, thank you, God, for allowing me to use your money to bless others and further your work. There's a big difference between someone with a mentality saying, they just want my money. It's my money. And someone saying, thank you, Lord, that I can use your money to be a blessing to others and further your work. Because this is what God does. I believe it with all my heart. God says, here, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your hands. Whatever you do, I'm going to bless it because you are doing the work of God for me. I believe it. Number six, it gives us the ability to process every decision with the discernment of Christ. You're able to process every decision with discernment. The Bible says wise choices will watch over you and understanding will keep you safe. In other words, don't be irrational. Don't just move out. Think about it. And number seven, harmony and unity. Marriages are better 
for generous people. Relationships are better. Generous churches, they walk in unity and harmony and they celebrate what God is doing in them and through them. While other churches that can't be generous, they bicker and they fight about every decision and they usually fight about the carpet and paint colors instead of celebrating salvations and baptisms. Beloved, if you're here today, I hope you understand how much God loves you and how much he loves his church. And I hope you understand that he is our hope to get us out of debt. Every single one of us. Because he doesn't want the negative effects of your life. Let me, let me tell you, God does not want negative effects in your life. He wants to bring Christ effects in your life. That's the ability to walk in the peace and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. So I thought about this, you know, what's a good, good question, a healthy question for us to ask ourselves? It would be this, where am I going to be at this time next year in my finances and my debt? If It's not if, every end of the year I do a, a financial stewardship series every end of the year because we do our year-end year end campaign. And by God's grace, we've been able to do amazing things. But where are we going to be at? Let me just tell you, it takes action steps to get out of a hole. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's what I've heard. I've never ate one. I don't even think I want to eat one. But, you know, if I was... I guess one bite at a time. But here are some action steps that Living Word Chapel did. Look, check this out. In 2011, we had credit card debt. We had all kinds of things. And, and PJ went through a big-time uh, uh, epiphany where the Lord really spoke to my heart for my own self as well as for the church. And the, with the elders got together, and, and, and Janet orchestrated a plan, our accounting Team orchestrated a plan. And in 2011, we had a loan, one loan that we have for 130000 and it had 11 years left. In four years, we paid down almost half of the loan. Yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. That's God. So what we started to do is we started paying not only our regular payments, but above our regular monthly payment, we started sending a separate check. We started with $50 at first, and then we moved it up to 100 to create a 13th payment each year. And then throughout that time, the generosity of people, they've, they've, they've given at different times. And just this year, families and individuals gave, and we were able to pay 9000 toward the principal just this year. So at the present, at the present time, we owe seventy-three thousand five hundred from one hundred thirty thousand. I think that's pretty awesome in four years, right? And I believe that if we work aggressively, we can have the loan paid off in three years and five years at the latest, because we desire to be a generous church who is able to reach our communities. I mentioned to you that we're going to not. 
Possibly, but we are going to be planting another site in the Copper Corridor in the Hayden-Winkleman uh, superior in that area to reach people, Kearney, to reach people over there. So we're going to be doing that by, by God's grace. If we're debt-free, we can do a lot more with generosity for the glory of God. So I would, I, w- I can't do a series without saying some very important action steps for all of us as individuals, okay? Here are some action steps that I think it's very, uh, it, would, it would be great if you could write these down. The first thing is you need to be honest. How do you accomplish some changes in your life? You need to be honest. None of us can make positive changes until we are honest with ourselves and others. Jesus said the truth will set you free. No change ever happens without honesty. Never. It's manipulation if, you don't, if you're not honest. The second thing that we have to do is we have to embrace accountability. The Bible says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. In other words, when you have accountability, there's people that are going to come alongside. They're going to help you. They're going to they're say, you can do it. They encourage you through that. And another place in the Bible, Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man will sharpen another. You need people in your life. I need people in my life that are going to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. So we need that accountability. Small groups are a wonderful place for you to find people to keep you accountable. Amen? You build relationships. You help each other out. You encourage. Number three, this is very, 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 very important. You find a good source to coach you toward a path of freedom and generosity. If I want a better marriage, I hang around with people that have good marriages. Let them coach me. If I, if I want... If I want to learn how to preach better, I, I hang around with people that, that preach well and they give me, they, they talk to me, they coach me. If I want to be better with my finances, I find someone that is good with their finances and you help them, you let them coach you. If I want to be a better welder, I hang around with people that are good welders. Amen? Coaching helps us get unstuck. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. When you look at that, he says, go and, and, and the Roberts and, and, and the, the ten others that will baptize second service, go and make disciples. Let them receive me because I am the answer to their problem. Eternal life is through me. And not only that, an abundant life on earth is through me. But in that, then we begin to coach. We begin to teach. And then one of these days, Robert will be coaching and teaching people how to be kingdom people. Amen. You find a coach and you find someone to help you. We're going to be offering a small group study called Balance by Andy Stanley. And it's it's a wonderful, wonderful study. And we also have uh, Dave Ramsey that if we have enough people participating, then we will start a Dave Ramsey uh, financial peace campaign. And through that, we have people in the church that paid thousands upon thousands of debt through Dave Ramsey. I could sh- we could share testimonies about that. Number four, you make a plan 
and you don't give up. New Year's coming up. I know a lot of us in here are going to say, we got we got a plan. we got to lose, I got to lose 20 pounds, right? And what do we do? Third week into it, what do we say? You know that, uh, that uh, um, what's that, the walking machine, what's it called? The treadmill. That, it makes a wonderful place for you to hang your clothes. And you don't give up, right? The Bible says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give The difference between a sower and a non-sower is not seen at the very beginning. Because when that field, when you, you go to that field, a sower is someone who plants seed. It looks the same. And he plants seed. The other person doesn't plant seed. It looks the same. But then as time goes on, you cultivate it. You work it. And before you know it, a little sprout comes up. And before you know it, there's a, there's a, there's a little plant coming up. And then there's fruit. And there's blessings. Number five. Allow God to partner with you as you embark on your journey toward generosity. You cannot do it without God. The Bible says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Amen? How many of us go to work and we say, hey, man, look at me. I'm able to work. That's because of God's blessings in our life. So we put in, in your bulletin, there are two wonderful next steps. The first is a sample, simple budget, which is a plan, okay? That's not, we had Janet and uh, Dave, Dave at work on it. It's, it's just a, an example, and then there's one that, that is blank that you can uh, use however you want to use it. And people ask me, how much should I give uh, to the church? You settle that with the Lord, 10% is, is a tithe, but this is between you and God. God wants a cheerful giver. You're not under law. You let the Lord direct you as you give. The second step on your connection card is a, is a, a place to sign up for a, a financial small group or attend one, which will start in January. So I would say to you right now, let the Lord direct you. Definitely sign up for a group if you want to take those action steps. So that you can work toward financial freedom. Amen? And then next year, you're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm at this place. And for you young people, teenagers and young adults in here, you're saying, ah, if I would have heard this when I was a young adult and acted on it, what a blessing. Amen? I would say to you, grab a hold of it. And let God lead you. Steve, do me a big favor. I know you're back there. I want you to play a little bit of Come to Jesus music for me real quick. Christmas is about coming to Jesus. Because he came to us. He came to us to give us a new life a new start, a second chance, sometimes a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh chance. Amen? We can thank him for that. I want all heads to be bowed. 
I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Because I think God doesn't make things complicated for us. It's a prayer for you to ask Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. For you to become a follower of him. So that you'll know without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. God doesn't force us to walk with him. He invites us to walk with him. And that's what he's doing today. He's inviting some of you in here. Pray this with me. Jesus, I open the doors of my heart. And I invite you to come in. I give you complete control of my life. Help me and direct me as I follow you from this day forward all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All heads bowed. Just keep your heads bowed. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.